0: Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com, and as always, I'm joined by co-host Dilly Algema to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. Hey, Dilly, how are you doing?
1: Hi, Nick. I'm very good. Thank you. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm all right. It's three weeks until uh, Operation Baby Drop or Operation Second Child. I haven't decided on a cool code name but yeah we've got you th- haven't okay three weeks to go uh, my job is to think of cool code names my wife's job is to do all the other important stuff
1: right it sounds like a fair balance i
0: think so i'm very really happy I for think you so no <laughs> just spent the weekend building a crib it was very ah. sort of cats in the cradle and all that tear in the eye but uh <laughs> it was fine um it's now currently housing uh, my daughter's uh dolls so it's getting Aww. a good test run that's
1: sweet yeah well, Nick, I have a question that is somewhat related to new people. All right, okay. Mm-hmm. Will you be doing the Pledge of Allegiance for your new king, Charles the Third? He is a new person.
0: Um, <laughs> uh, is he a new person? Is he a new He's person? Not. Uh, he feels like a very, a very old person. I honestly have to say Dilly, I will not be doing the pledge of allegiance surprisingly I know listeners I can hear your shrieks of surprise from here but um I will be refraining from basically paying attention to anything that happens throughout the day on Saturday what about you are you going to be <laughs> are you going to be doing the pledge of allegiance <laughs> sorry I feel <laughs> The the sort of choke of like how funny that is as a question to ask you, Dilly, seemed to get stuck in my throat there. Um, I'm assuming you're not going to do the Pledge of Allegiance.
1: Um, No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just here getting like modified on Twitter. It's interesting that this is the first coronation that has like social media involvement. And with everything being tweeted out, the Pledge of Allegiance, the coronation quiche, the coronation cake... I mean, how are people not on the streets? I would be.
0: Like, I don't understand what you expect them to be protesting. They're, uh, they're of course uh, uh, required to show the utmost faith for the uh, head of state. So, why on earth would anyone want to protest the (laughs) coronation? I mean, it seems a perfectly reasonable thing to do, right? Totally normal in the 21st century, in 2023, to be giving a very expensive hat to a billionaire as he sits on a golden chair.
1: (laughs) I think it was just yesterday we had like Marcus Rushford talking about uh, school children and meals. And there was the uproar. And then we have uh, today, and the Princess of Wales will not be wearing a tiara. She'll be wearing floral headgear, whatever that means, to the coronation. I mean, these are things that are being discussed, just the fact that this is what takes up their headspace it's mind-blowing
0: oh, yeah. to me, Nick. I don't know how you can just get through this. At least just going to wear a hat like us, normal people. you just that is like a normal, normal people, just like us, just normal, normal everyday people. Yeah. I just feel like, what a load of, yeah, what a load yeah, of shit, yeah. really. It just seems a little bit mm. ridiculous. I was looking at the stats on, uh, on the Trussell Trust, which keeps track of kind of poverty mm. in the UK. And uh, it's got a, Uh, Lightning statistics from sort of 2017 onwards to 2023, Mm. the amount of people who uh, are now currently using food banks, total being from 2022 end of 22, almost three million people, two million nine hundred and eighty-six thousand, give or take, are Mm. currently on food banks. Do you want to know how many of those are children? Just out of curiosity, how many British children are currently uh, having food banks? Uh, About one point one million so oh, um, Jesus. it all seems totally normal that, that we would be discussing this entirely pointless exercise in pr basically which is, you asked that question why are people not on the streets it's because uh, a yeah. lot of people actually yeah. support the monarchy that's the truth of it um although there there is differences in the statistics between uh, young people and, and and people over the age of sort of 50 um there's mm. still a majority support for the monarchy which only increased after the uh after the queen's funeral yeah but we'll see we'll see how that goes
1: that's what they wanted i mean that's how that was staged
0: right yeah, well it seems like there's people talking about how anyone who doesn't support the monarchy should be locked up before the coronation yeah so they've already got people who are willing to um halt habeas corpus which is kind of a weird position to take I mean, one of the benefits, I think, for me and you, diddy is that we don't live anywhere near Britain and therefore are easily able to avoid the sort of window displays and people turning their gardens into kind of awful uh, mock-ups of the coronation out of, like, I don't know, sort of scarecrows and shit like that. But uh, we got a message, actually, from a listener, uh, Michael, who uh, lives in Austria, and he was telling me about some exciting stuff that the Austro- british society are going to be doing in vienna do you want to hear about the exciting details of of the party they're going to be hosting in <laughs> in, in in vienna i get this it's not it's, it's is
1: it going to get more ridiculous than window decorations oh no a scalpers? little bit don't
0: worry this is this is this okay. is just the full kind of gamut of weirdo british love of the monarchy i'll read the, the thing that the michael wrote because it is actually golden they have commandeered the pokey premises of the shop that is the Fortnum & Mason Distribution Partners in Vienna. So I'm assuming this is dripping with sarcasm, and in fact, if anything, this is anything but pokey. And Fortnum & Masons, if you don't know, are a luxury British brand that uh, not a lot of people can really uh, get their hands on. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) Michael goes on to tell us that... There's going to be a direct broadcast from the BBC and uh, the Austrian sh- channel that is showing the coronation with English live music. That'll be fun. There's going to be a quiz. Can you guess what the topic of the quiz is going to be, Dilly?
1: I'm I'm just recovering from Fortnum and Mason. It, it has like very four seasons landscaping vibes because it's called Poke. Um,
0: what is the quiz going to be about? About the royal family? Not, not even about the royal family. What? It's a quiz just about King Charles III. Fucking hell. Uh, Then they're going to have, someone's going to do the horoscopes for King Charles and Queen Camilla because why not? We need to fill some time before there's a celebrity winemaker who's going to turn up. And they've made a special bottle uh, using Pinot Noir grapes. And they're going to send a magnum of the bottle off to Buckingham Palace because nothing says we love you like a free bottle of, of wine from Vienna. And apparently uh, it says here, in keeping with the occasion, guests are expected to dress ascot style, including headpieces. So we could be doing that, Dilly, if you want on Saturday, nip over to Vienna, get ourselves in on the action. Have you got a headpiece? Floral headgear. Yeah, you need some floral headgear. Come on. What is with that? I mean, a fascinator, I guess. There's
1: such a break from reality.
0: But this is going to be it up until Saturday as every little thing is going to be discussed and uh, Meghan Markle's going to come up even though she's uh, chosen not to attend. So she's going to mm-hmm. be the focus of a lot of right-wing rage because, you know, uh, people of colour have opinions. That's horrific if you are, I don't know, Piers Morgan. So yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that, that's all I really want to talk about was how stupid this party is. So I don't really want it to talk is. about the coronation anymore because it's... A big sack of shit so uh, do you want to talk about something else i've got more mad stuff to lay on you uh Dilli. give me
1: more mad stuff okay
0: innit? so we've talked about bavaria's minister president marcus soda a number of times over oh
1: we've just read from the pan into the fire yeah. Okay,
0: go ahead i thought i'd bring it up some uh he's, he's on the campaign trail uh is is old marcus he uh mm-hmm. keeps popping up in bizarre places i saw today he was he sort of photographed at a butcher's he just seems to appear out of nowhere for a photo op i'm kind of terrified (laughs) that he's going to appear behind me at any moment and demand a selfie or something um so he was at the unveiling of a plaque that has been put up in munich to celebrate the life of Gusty Beerhammer, who is a radio and TV actor, and he's most famous for playing a particular character, Meister Eder, in the adaptations of Ellis Cout's Meister Eder and the Pumuckl. Now, the Pumuckl is quite a famous little cartoon character. Uh, This kind of, I guess he's like a gnome or an elf or something. I'm sure there's listeners shouting at the um, podcast apps right now as i get this entirely wrong but he was uh, the radio actor for this character but also the tv actor and he was born in mm. munich and so um although he died in 1993 they've put up a plaque to celebrate him at Windenmaierstrasse zwei and this was the mm. location of the the television series which is all normal that's totally normal it's a good thing they've got a nice bit of kind of cultural celebration this is where it gets a bit weird and it becomes very Marcus Soder. Marcus Soder has a reputation mm. for kind of um putting himself in situations where you wouldn't really expect to find him and he did this with this plaque. As he unveiled it, it became obvious to everyone who's standing watching him unveil this plaque that he'd chosen a very particular quote for the plaque. There's a quote at the bottom and the quote itself is from Dr. Marcus Suda. Uh, So he's immortalised his own quote in this plaque celebrating this famous TV actor. Uh, Mm -hmm. Not only that, uh, it's got the uh, Bayern coat of arms and then it has his name and his full title, Dr. Marcus Suda, MDL, which I think is MDL is uh, like Member of Parliament. Mm. And uh, of course, this obviously would make a lot of sense uh, had the good doctor sort of trained to be or, or gained his doctorate in, in child literature, maybe, or um, cartoon actors of the 80s, maybe. That would have mm. been a reasonable reason to put his quote in. No, instead, Dr. Soda is Dr. Soda because he managed to get a doctorate in boring old uh, uh, law. So he's not even an expert on cartoons. I don't know why he chose to put his own, uh, his own quote in there, but it's very Marcus Soda. He
1: does things. <laughs> That are very unpredictable, I must <laughs> it say. Does. It's very and weird. not in a
0: good way. No, he does very weird things. Very makes very weird decisions. Yeah. And yeah, so I just love that. I love the idea. I mean, would you have the gumption to put your own name on a plaque celebrating a celebrity or some kind of famous a cultural icon? Would you have the, the gumption to put your own quote in there about that person?
1: Just before you said that he was photographed at the butchers and that he's both... Very much like I can completely see that, and I can complete also completely not see that. Like this is, this is his like, um, yeah. I'm a meat eating German image. Yeah, that's supposed to appeal to the yeah. CDU fan club. Yeah, and you know he, he is photographed with the odd sausage much more than other politicians. Yeah, I can see that, but also like, oh Jesus, it's so obvious right now. So. I would have thought that he'd take a break or you know get pursue some kind of other PR, but no.
0: No, it's all it's this is the campaign trail, Dilly. So uh, mm-hmm. there's no giving up. There's just going to be more of this kind of stuff. But yeah, it's just a bit of a bit of a weird one, I think. But keep an eye out, watch your back, Dilly. You never know, Mark the <laughs> might appear. Don't say his name three times. <laughs> he might appear in the mirror behind you. Moving on, we've got another. That's a good one. Another tale of woe, and this time it features celebrity philosopher and all around, yeah, maybe it's better I don't share that thought with you. All around TV personality, I guess, Rickard David Precht. You may or may not know this gentleman from uh, his his career as a as a kind of pop philosopher. Uh, he wrote a very famous book in the early two thousands that explained philosophical concepts to. Uh, ordinary people, if you want to know how that went, it was roundly panned by every philosopher who read it, but aside from that, it was very successful <laughs> on the bookshelves uh, A lot of people bought his book built his career on this and uh it's flourished he's got his own t v show he's often on the political talk show lands uh lands also shares a podcast with with uh mr Precht and uh it was on this podcast that he shared some pills of wisdom about Annalena Baerbock, the foreign minister of Germany's trip to China. Do you want to hear some of his pills of wisdom there, Dilly?
1: This was my introduction to this man. How <laughs> how how beautiful was my world before you introduced him? Nick, like, uh, He pressed. I could have done without him. Go ahead, yeah, do God. the honors.
0: Yeah, he is. So this is the quote that he offered on the podcast. He said about Annalena Baerbock. He said, uh, um, "Then I have the feeling, if I can be completely honest." that I always think that what an accident that this woman became foreign minister. Under normal circumstances, she wouldn't even have gotten an internship at the foreign office. And that's uh, one of the choice quotes he made about Baerbock. And he criticised Baerbock's uh, strategy in China, criticised the divisive language that she'd used, and also said that she was kind of out of her depth, didn't really know what she was doing, and that she shouldn't go to China and lecture them about Western values. So, Dilly, as someone who I imagine has been uh, belittled by arrogant men, I'm wondering how you feel about this.
1: (laughs) My first reaction, Nick, oh sweet Jesus. And my second reaction is, it reminded me of Kung Fu, The Legend Continues, the TV series from the 90s, Uh, David Carradine and Chris Potter. And it was the loveliest TV show and I loved it as a kid. You know, as the kids say, it gives TV show vibes, this man's grasp on Chinese politics and cultures. You know, oh, you know it's very based in age and wisdom. It's, um, she, ha- she hasn't proven herself still. And I have this idea of, OK, so does he think that like people go there, get into an arena and like, you know, beat up some meanie beanie and then you have everyone's respect and they all bow to her or something. He's giving grifter, as the kids say.
0: He's giving grifter.
1: Yes. It is my first use of give uh, as a non-transitive verb. I'm very proud of myself.
0: (laughs) It's too much for me and (laughs) I teach English. Yeah, so are you saying he's a grifter or that he's... he's, he's...
1: Yeah, he's giving grifter vibes kind of thing. It's... um, He seems to be very funny. I don't want to say uninformed. I want to say he's funnily informed.
0: I'll be honest with you. I didn't know a lot about Hair Precht, and so I I mean, I knew about him in the in the ether. he's not the first time he's popped up with kind of his opinion. Mm. He's sort of a -a rent-a-gob. He kind of appears on a lot of talk shows. A -a
1: rent-a-gob.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess that would be the best description. He sort of he has an opinion on everything. Yeah. And, and it isn't always very informed. And I think this is the archetype of the modern day kind of intellectual that you see a lot of the time. Yeah. We had this conversation yesterday. It was quite funny mm-hmm. on WhatsApp when we were talking yeah, about this yeah. this segment. Yeah. And that uh, you said, he's a bit like Jordan Peterson. And I was like, oh, no, that's exactly the comparison I yeah. would make. He's like a low yeah. rent Jordan Peterson. And he sort of likes to get in hot water because it's good for the brand. And it keeps yeah. them kind of in people's view and i mean at the same time as all this was going on he was actually in augsburg last week doing a Mm. speech about how to change education he doesn't know Mm. anything about education he hasn't got any background in education he went Mm. to a school and went to a university but Mm. whether that means you're qualified to discuss the ins and outs of how to reform Mm. education might be um, worth a discussion in itself but like, and what work means to people. And, and it was all very fluffy and kind of general. And that does feel like his sort of brand is it's sort of mm. very general things that sound intelligent on hearing them once. And then when you investigate them with any level of critical thinking, they kind of fall apart very quickly. I mean, it's not the first time he's been in the media storm, as it were. There's a couple of other points where, where he, he said sort of daft stuff during the pandemic, because the pandemic was the time to sort of say the dumbest things he possibly could. He said sort of things about the fact that it might be a good thing, I think was the the overall assessment. He talked about how the coronavirus was going to change people's perspectives, and he considered it this great awakening. Uh, I'm not sure if that's really been followed through, but he also sort of complained a little bit about some of the processes in play criticized the lockdowns saying that uh, the government was sort of exerting too much pressure on people he sort of rejected the vaccination at one point uh, and he said that he would never have uh, children vaccinated with the corona vaccines because their immune systems are in the process of being built or should not be manipulated which sounds like vaccine skepticism at its best uh, talked about genetically engineered vaccines. It, it seems like a very ill-informed person talking about things mm, that he probably shouldn't mm. have been on a national television show. Uh, mm. And he was obviously criticised quite strongly by people and experts who knew mm-hmm. what the fuck they were talking about. He, he he said other things. He of course he was. He said that the Ukraine war would be over by Christmas, I think, or something to that effect. Uh, he didn't give uh, Ukraine much of a chance. And he said, oh, I was mistaken. Obviously, I was mistaken. So he's got the kind of track record of saying quite dopey things. Do you think what he was saying was misogynist? That was the accusation, right? That he was a misogynist.
1: I think the word before that I was looking for was uh, stereotypes. He has a very stereotypical view of the Chinese uh, cultures and politics, apparently. And the other thing is obviously, very, very clearly, he is a misogynist. He, I think during his little outburst he does try to inoculate himself because he knows exactly what he's doing and he says this is not because she's a woman Annalena Baerbock is a woman I would have said this even if she had been a man really because um, I kind of uh, looked it up so we've had for uh, uh, foreign ministers here in Germany who've been in their 40s when they entered office so she is the youngest but, I mean, someone has to be. <laughs> That's just how it works. So, for instance, Heiko Maas was a Baerbock's predecessor, and he was 52 when he entered office. It's not exactly like,
0: you know... Those 12 years, though, dilly vital. <laughs>
1: <laughs> However, uh, there was a Frank-Walter Steinmeier, who was 49, when he first took mm. office as the Minister of Foreign Affairs in 2005.
0: And he's sort of had a really successful career, you know, he he built those ties with russia you know he really really linked uh, <laughs> linked uh germany to russia and that was considered by everyone to be a genius move up until the point that russia kept invading other countries uh yeah um i don't know i mean to say like oh Steinmeier was better and then to see the the claustro fuck that he made of uh mm. germany's foreign policy seems a bit rich really i'm an opinionated bloke and an opinionated bloke waxing lyrical about another opinionated bloke probably doesn't make fantastic podcast content but i certainly thought it was worth mentioning the 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 very fact that he sort of keeps recurring over and over again and keeps coming up over and over again in uh yeah in in these shit storms
1: i am just going by um age though i'm not by the quality of their work so, I can still give you uh, Josef Maria von Radowitz Jr., born in 1839. He was 40 when he took office in 1879.
0: Yeah, exactly. Very important period of time, that <laughs> building of the German Empire. Come on. <laughs> uh, the other point is, like, if you look at all the birthdays of
1: the German foreign ministers, we've had people from the 1920s, the 1930s and the 40s and so on, and... We just have never had anyone from the 1970s and we've kind of skipped the 70s, gone into the 1980s Um, and 1980 is when Baerbock was born and I Mm. can confirm that people born in the 80s are extremely cool people. That's just how it is,
0: (laughs) you know? It's bloody true, Mm -hmm. you know. It's true. Coolest bunch. Those eighties uh, babies. Yep. But yeah, I, I just think, I think cumulatively the whole like she's too young uh, she doesn't know what she's doing I mean she's just like it's not like she just turned up off the street she's like she's got like she's not got a doctorate in international law like she's not a fucking idiot she went she she, she went to some illustrious universities as well uh, far more illustrious than some of the places that Mr. Precht turned up at so I don't yeah. really understand the criticism I, and ultimately yeah. she was following the worst part about it the, the biggest criticism that can be leveled at Precht is that she's following a policy that's been kind of outlined by other European countries too barring uh france kind of going off piste but generally this has been the the approach has been to, to be a bit more stern and critical of of chinese uh policies and certainly it's it's policy towards and uh, the nations around it and uh, i think that's perfectly reasonable at this point in time to be robust with china and it's not like china's some kind of innocent kitten this isn't sort of 1990s china this is full-on like Social control, China, with like you can't get a bus if you say negative things about the government. That kind of uh, China. So I don't really see where uh, where this this kind of criticism gets off, uh, or even begins, to be honest. Um, but I'm sure we'll hear from him soon enough as he comes up with some other pearls of wisdom in the future. Although I can't remember actually seeing that many Maypoles while living in the UK, I do know that many places enjoy that particular tradition. The May Day Bank holiday is celebrated with Maypole dancing, church fates, and both of which can quickly lead to a larger, terrible outbreak of Morris dancing. That being said, for every common tradition, there is a slight variation. That example and variation would come in the form of Germany's May Day celebrations. Thinking more about Bavaria in this instance, it's usually focused on some kind of synchronized dance numbers. This this concept of tans in den Mai, the dance in the May, which can be a, a metaphor, but also an actual happening in some areas of Bavaria. Uh, usually the most important part of proceedings is watching a large group of people wrestling with a frankly ridiculous long pole or tree trunk and then being encouraged by a larger group of beer-drinking bystanders as they fix atop a Maybaum to this giant pole. And, uh, and they pull it up on, on, with ropes and various other devices, and then they decorate the sort of Maybaum with uh, uh, ribbons and so, other such decorations. And uh, that'll stay in place, these giant Maybaums, uh, across Bavaria yeah. up until the middle of summer. Uh, sometimes i still see them kind of hanging around in october so yeah the mm-hmm. may, it's it's been may day yesterday that i was at a maybaum mm-hmm. fest myself in uh, a place called guggingen uh, in near in well just on sort of outskirts of augsburg mm-hmm. there wasn't any thigh slapping lederhosen clad uh, maypoles uh, sadly but it was quite fun
1: oh i can imagine i've only seen this on tv i've never actually seen a maybaum but like uh, Did you dance? Were you were you part of it?
0: I didn't dance. This was a very modern Bavarian uh, uh, sort of version. This was like as modern Mm. as it gets. we Turned up. It was quite drizzly. There was a little tent for activities for the kids, and my daughter made a nice barge uh, that a a nice nice lady uh, put through a barge press, and then we went into what was the central Maybaum bit. The Maybaum had already gone up, and uh, there was just sort of awnings and tents and stuff like that for, mm-hmm. for people to drink beer and eat food that was basically what was on offer uh some caffeine kuchen. I did though get to see a I guess it was a speech I suppose you could call it a speech from the uh burgermeisterin uh, Eva Weber the burgermeisterin of of Augsburg she is of course yeah. a CSU Member, uh, she gave a oh. speech that was half heard because the sound system kept kicking out, and I, uh, I couldn't help but think how terrible it must be for the Bürgermeisterin or the Bürgermeister, because they must have to go to all of these kind of events. They must have to go to several per uh, May Day and see kind of these kind of drab beer benches and similar type food and give similar type speeches across the the whole city. Uh, But yeah, that was the, the, it wasn't very, uh, it didn't feel very May day. It didn't feel very springy, to be honest.
1: Nick, um, because you said food twice, I need to ask you, what kind of food do they serve at the Maybaum Festival?
0: It's very sort of Bavarian fare. There was Wurstenbrüchen, there was Spätzle, I think there was some uh, Schupfnudel, there was Dampfnudel, there was some other stuff as well. I think some um, steak sandwiches, that kind of stuff. So it was all very. Oh,
1: that sounds good, though. It sounds yeah, very it right. hearty.
0: It is very hearty, definitely. Everyone needs those because they had the fest beer, which was about seven percent on sale. Uh, had one of those, had a good buzz, came home, had a nap. <laughs> it was a, a good Monday, frankly.
1: And was it colorful? Like, were there like were there people dressed up?
0: No, I mean there were some people in dindles and a couple of people in lathes, and the most colorful people were the um, uh, first aiders. <laughs> In their big red oh. jackets. <laughs> that was the most colourful sight. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's different from how, and there was somebody tweeted about this, it's different from how they celebrate May Day in other cities, especially in the north of Germany, where the uh, kind of International Workers' Day is taken a bit more seriously, uh, quite sedate in Bavaria. But there was, there was various marches. There was some mm. uh, activity in other cities, Berlin, Hamburg, I think saw the brunt of it. Uh, nothing that I thought was particularly chaotic uh, mm-hmm. compared to previous May First events. Mm-hmm. Down in Bavaria, it was all sausage sandwiches and and decorated trees. So that was all very nice. Oh. I'm
1: hungry right now. This is not good for me. <laughs> Sausage
0: sandwiches. Um, there's also like a, a weird thing that they do. Well, that's not weird. It's unfair. That's very judgy of me. There's an interesting thing that people do with uh, trees as well. If you mm. have uh, someone that you're interested in, mm. you can leave a tree outside uh, their house and, and like knock on their door and run away and they can ah. find a nicely decorated tree outside. That's quite okay. a nice a nice thing Uh, yeah but there's there's also like a a code that can be communicated because the decorations you choose to put on your tree can communicate certain unsavory things not just sort of nice things they can communicate well if you uh, choose to decorate your um tree with white paper Hmm. it can mean that you kind of wish death on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on the person what? who you're gifting a tree to. So you've got to be a bit careful about what color codes you use for sure. Um, so
1: you go through all the trouble of cutting down a tree, carrying it across the town, yeah. and showing everyone that you have a death wish on a person to give a death, you know, to communicate a death wish to the person. No,
0: no, no. You've got to do it secretly. You definitely don't want to be seen doing it. Um, you're meant to sort of give your bow a, a lovely decorated tree or potentially the person that you really hate a decorated tree with a particular color so that's one way that you can you can operate for sure it's a bit it's a bit over the top i feel like you're making a real statement if you choose to get a tree and leave outside someone's house uh, all with the hope of sort of threatening them Uh nick this is
1: actually news to me that this has to be done in secret and i'm thinking of like packed german neighborhoods like the first thing was how can you leave a tree outside a person's home without everyone thinking the tree is meant for them and then you said you knock on the door okay that makes it easier but how do people get away like you know from i mean nothing goes unseen in a german neighborhood
0: (laughs) it's a good point you gotta do it really late at night and wear black that's the best i can do for you but that's not the only thing that happens as well there's another side to all of this there's mm-hmm. um the theft of the Maybaum. so uh, on the night of may 1st and it depends on different areas the rules but uh, it becomes open season so you have the pole and then mm-hmm. the Maybaum you chosen usually sits atop that pole and these poles can get up to like 65 meters so they're very tall so the concept of stealing a maypole or stealing a Maybound is probably impossible. But there's games that different villages will play with each other where, for instance, one person from the village has to have their hand on the maypole at any time. And if they're, someone from another village manages to trick them to removing mm. their hands from the maypole, they get to get beer from the losers, basically. But there's been other examples, more extreme examples, antenna buying the uh radio station of bavaria did a thing in 2017 where they actively stole Maybounds from people like they broke in <laughs> they were like challenged to break in and steal full maypoles so, like 65 meter poles or whatever and uh, and 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 they had to try and catch them or capture them from villages and they uh, they did achieve that uh, on occasion so there is these kind of yeah in uh, in a town rivalries Uh, there's also rules about when you can steal it because you can't just steal it when it's you can't steal a maybaum before it's been cut down you can't steal it another particular situation so there's some rules around there but if you can get um the maybaum out of the city limits Mm -hmm. uh then you have officially stolen the maybaum that's another rule that i read for a particular region so yeah it's a lot of fun and games you see
1: yeah uh, I mean, you know makes for nice communities I, I i can see the attraction you've said that the fire brigade is usually involved somewhere in what capacity is that nick
0: well certainly around here everywhere's got uh the freiwilliger um Feuerwehr, so the voluntary fire services and uh they often are like the central part of the raising of the Maybaum. Um, yeah, because they generally have the equipment and the expertise to do the job. Ah. so for instance, in my in my wife's village, they put the may Balm up. The may Balms are situated on the property of the fire station, and they host a massive party. So there's a lot nice. of these kinds of parties, and it's they're a real big, like important cog in the in the the social machine of the village. You know, it, it, yeah. and it's the same for a lot of places. The first aid, the the, the fire, um, ambulance, and fire service they all uh have have roles to play in this and uh yeah i mean all the, the it's not without trouble in saying that My, the town that i'm from had a maybaum mm. for a number of years up until just before the pandemic i think it was in 2019 they raised the maybaum mm. and then it promptly collapsed luckily no one was injured but no one has been mm. willing to take over the sort of insurance and responsibility of raising yeah. another maybaum since so we've been without yeah. one for the last uh, sort of three years and mm-hmm. uh so so there's some places that uh, they don't have the skills perhaps uh, to do it or they don't feel like they they want to take the risk of mm-hmm. uh, putting one up because uh, there's a real skill in doing it you've got to use a real process to it uh, and you do need a lot of people and sometimes they do it in the old-fashioned way of like getting a sort of horse to pull from one side and people lift the may bomb sometimes they use a tractor sometimes you use, f- use a fire truck you know it all differs so there's a lot of different ways of getting your may bomb upright um, mm-hmm. but yeah it's not a it's not without its dangers
1: no it isn't i uh i am familiar with some games from sri lanka where you have like greased poles that are like, you know, it's a greased yeah. palm tree trunk yeah. and there's a flag on top and you have to kind of climb all the way up. Nobody would ever think of insurance.
0: <laughs> <And there's... laughs> think it's true, they probably would. Although there's no one greasing the maypole and trying to climb up it in fairness. But you said that you'd only seen them, you'd not, you don't have them. And so you're saying there's no maypole where you are in, in Saxony.
1: No, in Sachsen-Anhalt, I haven't seen the whole Maybaum thing here. It's been a beautiful spring. With when you say Baum, um, yeah, but no, no May-Balmer.
0: Yeah, I think it. I mean, it happens in different places. I know that there was a tweet that did the rounds that was about the the sort of rules and regulations for Maybaum in mm. uh, Köln. So I know that up north, there's places that do it too, and they in fact had a an advert for like where you can buy a Maybaum, uh so you don't go in the woods and cut them down so there's a question uh-huh. of kind of sustainability in all of this yeah um i do feel like dilly like this is the third week is it not that we've talked about a wood related topic is this becoming like a segment like is this what am i have i been sort of pigeonholed now as the the wood guy the guy who who only talks about wood <laughs>
1: Um, I think you can cross uh, something off your to-do list. You've said wood about five times now. It's better than saying nuclear. Would I you believe that, Nick? <laughs> I mean, in my uh, in my experience, uh, people bring up the Maybaum. You know, when it comes to TV shows and there's a crime, because it's usually like a n- nice villagey town, like you know, kind of thing. That's really uh, that does something to a plot. There's this uh, uh, author I follow on Twitter. she's called um, Helen Grant, and she tweeted out a part of uh, one of her horror stories uh, or novels where something sinister happens and it's all centers around a Maybaum in the village and putting it up in the night and that sort of thing. I thought that's uh, it's it's the part of many a Germany geno plot i think it's pretty cool
0: I'm, I'm fairly sure there's been at least multiple order episodes about Maybomb based murders but i mean it's very pagan isn't it you know it's it's obvious pagan overtones here uh for yes, sure. that and, is true and like it, it's not really hiding it's all in plain sight the uh the other thing i was thinking is that like in britain i mean f- to be honest if you see a maypole you're probably yeah. in like a nice well-to-do village or a town that's got probably a lot of Tory voters. They'll have a fete. There'll be uh, various kind of British cakes. There'll be a chocolate eclair knocking about, I'm sure. There'll Ooh, be. Days. Uh, I know some people will go, that's French, but hey, look, <laughs> most of what we do is kind of French. Shut up. But there'll be scones <laughs> and stuff like that, and tea and kind of triangular sandwiches. But like in, in Bavaria, I mean, like municipal areas will have a Maybaum and it'll be like the thing I went to, which was, it was it was nice. It's nice to have those little festivals, very small kind of affair. And it's not, yeah. there's not like a lot of traditional stuff. They're playing blast music, but they use it, they're use playing it through, through a sound system. They've got traditional food, but there's not mm. a lot of people dressed up. It's just kind of a get together local people, eat some food mm. together communally and there's definitely value mm. in that but it's not yeah, it's definitely. not it's not really a class thing particularly it's it's just a local kind of area thing I, yeah. I, at least that was my feeling about it
1: Are you familiar with the British TV series Robin of Sherwood from the 80s it oh, had yeah. uh, it starred Jason Connery You
0: you're, you're right in my wheelhouse of television shows yes I do remember that TV <laughs> show
1: <laughs> This was an iconic TV show from my childhood and I think one episode was uh, you know the whole dancing around a maypole, and I remember, I remember this. This is like the the plot to many a series and books.
0: Oh yes, yeah. I mean Midsummer Murders, or what is it called in the the Detective Barnaby mysteries, or whatever yeah. they call it in in Germany. That'll definitely have had a maypole related uh storyline for sure,
1: or oh, several probably.
0: But um I look forward to seeing them. I'd, I'd like seeing them when they go up, and I like seeing them around the the months following the the, the putting up of the may bomb. and it's mm-hmm. it, it's i don't know it's just nice thing in the landscape to see it's it's a signifier of changing seasons and and you kind of begin to rely on it after living here for so long so yeah more power to them i say you yep. you yep. So a story that took over the the news cycle in Germany over the weekend and probably is extended due to the public holiday on Monday was reported originally by the Frankfurter Allgemeine but is in most newspapers and we've we've had a look at Stern uh, for this particular story and it's a story of Tübingen's mayor Boris Palmer. Now, many of you might not know Boris Palmer, but you might have an innate suspicion of any politician called Boris. That is not a bad place to uh, centre your suspicions. This particular Boris, Boris Palmer, is a former Green Party member. He was banned uh, at the start of the year from the party, or at least suspended, sorry, from the party. And he is addicted to scandals, as anyone who's followed his career would know. And... uh, He went on to follow his kind of uh, modus operandi of of just walking flatly into scandals for no particular reason. Uh, He was invited to a conference on migration over the weekend in Frankfurt, and he defended the use of the N-word several times at this conference on migration. And uh, he said it a number of times. The video's quite an interesting watch. He says the word a number of times, uh, complains about why... You can't use the word, and then is given a a round of applause by the audience. Uh, And the participants, despite the broad support, it seemed, from the audience at the time, uh, participants have uh, rebuked him, as well as the organizers who have distanced themselves from uh, Mr. Palmer. Uh, The question I kind of have is probably more rhetorical, is um, like, what the fuck is wrong with white men? And why the fuck do they need to say this fucking word? And why the fuck do they constantly have to like... Oh, I'm. Oh, look at me! I'm a free-thinking, independent guy, and I'm going to use the N-word. Look at me go! And I'm just oh, I don't understand, Dilly. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to ask you this question. You have any idea what the fuck is wrong with these people?
1: I think I do, Nick. I think they're just very kind people who want <laughs> us to have content for our podcast because this is the second white man. Uh, yeah. Uh, do I want to say old? So second white man, <laughs> who's uh, who said something he shouldn't have. But at least in this case, the backpedaling has been beautiful.
0: It's been pretty impressive. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's also been kind of atypical of, yeah, this story just seems to repeat itself and the same outcome inevitably occurs. Yeah. So Boris Palmer was at this migration conference in Frankfurt and on Friday uh, evening, he gave a a talk and he used the N-word several times and then he, he didn't, he wasn't content with that shitstorm in itself he's like no wow how can i pour kind of more fuel on this fire that i've created And he went outside to confront protesters who were um, rightly or wrongly protesting the event which they considered to be kind of rather narrow-minded uh i think uh boris palmer's speech itself was about kind of how we can't essentially let everybody in that's kind of been his line in fact i think that was the title of a book he wrote couple of years ago about how this we can't take them all or something i think i honestly think that's the title i think that's literally the translation of it so we can't take them all in that's what he said yeah so, well, so so there was protesters outside this event and he went outside to justify his use of the word and then proceeded to get himself into even more hot water the clip itself is bizarre uh and and palmer's seen trying to explain himself to this group and as he speaks and he uses the n-word again uh the protesters start to drown him out with chants of uh nazis rouse i think is the phrase and nazis out and they, they, and then um, weirdly they're all clapping and then like like mm. boris palmer joins in awkwardly and it doesn't look great and then he goes on to justify and i have to yeah. read the quote for you like yeah and i'm gonna try and read it in german because i think it needs to be read in german for to get the full context because i feel the translation yeah. which i'll give isn't exactly great. But what he said to the demonstrators about this kind of accusation of being a Nazi was, um, Das ist nix anderes als der Judenstern. Und zwar, weil ich ein Wort benutzt habe, an dem ihr alles anderen festmacht. Wenn man ein falsches Wort sagt, ist man für euch ein Nazi. Denkt mal drüber nach which is to say, it's nothing other than the Jewish star, this accusation. That's because I used a, a word to which you attach everything else. If you say the wrong word, you're a Nazi. Think about it, he said. It's always these people who are telling you to think about it. You know, wake up, sheeple, think about it. I don't know how this is the comparison he chose, but he tried to compare mm-hmm. what he was saying about the N-word to like being criticized as a Nazi was like like a Jewish star I couldn't quite work out his, what his thought process was, but it sort of spoke to the intelligence of the guy that that's the thing. Like, they always reach for the fucking Holocaust, don't they? They go, oh, you're criticizing mm. me. This is just like the ho-. And you're just like, Jesus Christ, come on. What the fuck is yep. wrong with you? Yep. you like, ugh, it's beyond thinking, really. It is. Yeah. And uh, actually, the, I've, I've got the event title here, the event that these protesters were standing outside of that featured Boris Palmer and his diatribe on the N-word Uh, was entitled, Control Migration, Shape Plurality, which is a fucking great title. I'm sure there was really informed discussion in that building in Frankfurt on Friday night. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to make of this story, Dilly. It's totally mental.
1: (laughs) I know. Do you notice a pattern, though? Like, both men that we've been discussing today on the podcast, both men say something, they know what the reactions are going to look like. And within that speech, they also try to justify themselves like i don't know it just feels like a pattern
0: to me there's something you see a lot and, and I, i'm sure i can be accused of this too i'm not an expert on many topics but th- i think there is this innate belief that if you're intelligent about one thing you must be intelligent about all things Or you have expertise in one area you must have expertise mm. in others because it, there was a Süddeutsche zeitung article i read about palmer that was like why can't he just be fucking happy with his like really nuanced ideas about green policy which he does have. Can't he just be happy that he's popular mayor of this town, uh, Turbigan? Why does he have to s- step over these lines well, repeatedly? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he said stuff, again, another one who said, he had things to say about COVID, and he sort of said, ah, oh, basically, I'll let, just let old people die, you know? What's the point in giving them a vaccine if they're only gonna die a couple of years later? Which is just uh, balls the wall, insanity.
1: I'm just surprised. So this man has already been suspended from the uh, Green Party, right?
0: More than that, he's uh, he's actually, I think, stepped down from the Green Party as a whole. I think he's resigned his position in the Green Party if he ever had one or, or resigned his membership. That was the outcome from last night.
1: That is the outcome from last week. But he had already been
0: suspended. Yeah, he was already suspended at the start of the year for, I think, for... Comments he'd made about migration
1: and The thing is like you, know, you have a man who's I mean, I think he's already had a run-in with the N-word
0: Oh yeah, it's not the first time Um, mm. he Actually, he labelled a, a German footballer with the N-word as well
1: Yes, he did, yeah
0: Which, by the way, he was also saying You shouldn't do in this particular speech But he'd already done it, so
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I think like Even in the speech, he was talking about Ah, oh, you know, what matters is the context of the word And uh, well, I, ironically, if you if the context is what matters, then you the context is that you're a man who's already in hot water for calling someone the n word and saying other inappropriate things, offensive things. I mean, where was he going with this? Um, one of the outcomes, Nick. So he's uh, he's resigned from the party. Correct. He apologized mm-hmm. to the conference participants for his choice of words, and. A very interesting outcome and one and an amusing one to me has been that his lawyer, Rezo Schlauch, announced on Friday that uh, he will no longer represent him. And, I, <laughs> and uh, there's a quote uh, of what he said when he announced this. Um, should I read it?
0: Yeah, please do. <laughs> it's a good quote.
1: So he says, Immediately after learning about the scandal for which Boris Palme is responsible in Frankfurt... I gave up my personal and political loyalty and support as well as my legal representation. And he's gone on to say, No provocation, no matter how harsh, no insults and insults, no matter how vile of radical left-wing provocateurs justify establishing a historical parallel to the Jewish star as a symbol of the persecution of the Jews in Nazi Germany. There's nothing left to explain, defend or excuse. I mean... In the parlance of severing ties, I think this goes under the column of uh,
0: impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty solid resignation letter, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, nope, I'm out. But but he's been he's gone through a lot with Boris Palmer. He's been his supporter for a while uh, and his lawyer for a while. And, and in fairness to Palmer, though, he did try to explain himself on Facebook. Do you want to hear his uh, his his reasoning for why using the N word should be kind of okay for? For, for people.
1: Uh, I do,
0: I you, do. You're going to enjoy this. Uh, so this is taken from Süddeutsche Zeitung's article. Palmer also explained that he says the N-word because he doesn't accept language rules. Right on, man, you edgelord. What a hero. <laughs> oh, he's fighting the good fight against those people who would cancel everybody. Yeah. Whoa, put up a statue and say, oh, f- what an absolute dork. Honestly, really? This is, this is just oh so stupid the highly controversial word is not part of his active vocabulary he said i only use it when there's a discussion about whether you're already a racist if you use it for me the context decides that and then it gives some context in may 2021 palmer used the so-called n-word in a facebook post about former soccer international dennis agogo who was a nigerian footballer smooth so there's some context for for how uh Uh, boris palmer understands the use of the n-word it's okay if he uses it apparently um i'm not entirely sure that logic really follows but yeah i just i I, the thing i get is it just sounds like a do you know when you when you'll have seen this i'm sure right and i saw Mm -hmm. it the other day i was at the university and i was sitting on some of the sort of benches they have installed and someone had attempted to scratch a swastika into the bench probably like stupid kids and some bright spark student had clearly seen this and like turned it into like a box, basically sort of scratched it out or made it look like a box. So it didn't look like mm-hmm. a swastika. And that's what it's like. It's like, oh, I'm a rebellious kind of teenager. How do I, how do I sort kind of manifest my rebelliousness? Oh, I'll paint a swastika on a wall. That's how I'll do it. And I'll it, oh, show that I'm a rebel, you know, it's sort of a countercultural uh, approach i'm not really a fascist but it'll put up the wind up a uh, 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 of sort of all those people in the the middle class people in the town it's kind of like that thinking you know like oh i'm cool you know i, I use the n-word because i'm not scared about how people perceive me you know i'm not worried about being cancelled and it just seems really kind of inane and pointless because i can spend my entire life never ever needing to use that word there's never a context where i'm like what's that word i need to use oh i can't use it it's banned like it's never happened in my life. I just don't understand why a particular subset of German men feel desperately that they need to use it at all. Don't really get it. and Don't understand the historical context. Don't understand why that word would probably be a word that isn't necessary or required or should be used by white middle class Germans.
1: That is a question of the ages.
0: But I think a lot of people kind of assume that it's it's like, oh, well, it's it's okay to say, you know, because, like, they use it in rap music. And it feels like a debate from sort of the US in the early 2000s, you know? Like, oh, yeah, we can just use this word because it's, like, it's just a word, isn't it? It's got no meaning. And it's like, no, actually, it's got a lot of meaning. And it's, it's one of those rules that I've kind of had. I remember we had this with with the, the P word for Pakistani people uh, that mm. we use quite frequently in the UK. And I remember having this argument with someone. And they said, "Oh, why can't I use that word? They use it. They, they use it." Which is always a fucking shitty indicator when they say "they use it." I'm like, all right. Who are they, mate? But I'm I'm always of the inclined to to say that we probably shouldn't use words that racists would paint on the side of someone's house. You know, like the P word, the N word. These are words that we could yeah. probably avoid using. It's not innocent when it's in fucking black spray paint on your front door. And uh, yeah. I think that's a pretty good rule to live by.
1: Um, and you just said like rap music, and I can—I mean, I—I I have friends who are teachers and so on. And something they say is that, like you know, kids also say this word, the N word, every now and then, and they know that they are pushing boundaries. They know they're doing something. I mean, even grade fivers, even they know that they're—they shouldn't be doing that. So, if someone says it, then the next person goes. Look at him. He said the he said the N-word. He said the N-word. He's not supposed to say the N-word. And they just know that they shouldn't do it. And I can even imagine, okay, so they hear the word a lot because they do listen to music and rap music probably. And it must be interesting, or I mean they must be curious as to why they shouldn't be saying something that they hear on the daily. But that's kids. Uh, I mean, what kind of excuse do the adults have?
0: Well, I posted something yesterday, like a joke, about those Dickmans, the uh, chocolate uh, marshmallow things, right? And what was... (laughs) Sorry, uh, producer Simon's <laughs> taken umbrage at my my sizing. They were the mini ones. So I did a mini sign and that seems to have upset <laughs> producer Simon. Something to do with Dickman's and mini. Uh, and I don't personally understand it anyway. So what's funny about the name is that British people can't help but laugh. Even I'm trying to stifle kind of giggling about the name, right? But mm. the thing, the other thing about that, which I found interesting was that the former name for this particular product used the N word, right?
1: Yes, and, I know
0: and it's sort of a famous example of a company that's gone oh god we don't want to use this name this name's not great we'll change it and they've managed to kind of shift the the name away and it's in certain places it's the you'll hear people refer to it as that in certain bakeries that make their own versions you'll see it advertised as that and it's not frequent but it's you see it it happens and um, what was interesting about that post was the amount of white blokes who were like, "Oh, did you know the former name of it? Huh, oh. did you know?" or they'd say, "Oh, we used to call it the sort of n words what well, would like the sort of blank out the n word and then the name yeah. of it and it was like do you think you're being like are you, this is some kind of exciting transgression like we all know that." Like why would you think that that's like interesting or important to mention? And it was like this childish kind of vibe of like, oh, I'm transgressing. I shouldn't do this, but I have. Ooh, cheeky me. And it, it's kind of felt like that with this speech by Boris Palmer. Very much the case of like, oh I'm uh, you can't I break the mold, I'm different. All right, how about you just be like a normal person and not have to use sort of racial slurs in your day-to-day communication.
1: Yeah, he was so confident when he said it. This is why the apology and and the lawyer's very unsubtle extrication of himself from the situation is so funny to me.
0: Yeah, because he's like, ah, you'll not get me. You're not to make me change my, the way I speak. And then suddenly he's like, I'm I'm really sorry. I'm um, fairness, fairness to Boris Palmer. If, if his statement yesterday is to be believed, he's going to step back from his role as, as mayor. He's going to take a leave of absence and he's going to seek some professional help and more power to him, I say. I mean, if that's your approach, if you've actually listened and you're like, maybe I need to sort of work it out why it is that I'm addicted to putting myself in these situations. He seems to find himself in almost on a monthly basis Mm -hmm. but uh he he did he didn't go out without a punchy as a human being i had to defend myself in order to be able to endure it all somehow as an excuse for having made this comparison to the jewish star that was that was worn by Mm -hmm. by jews during national socialism and i think it's like it's a little classless but um again anyone seeking kind of mental health support should be supported in that And uh, I certainly do, but I I do hope he comes back a a more kind of balanced, well-thinking kind of person rather than one that feels like sort of childish approaches to communication are the best way to, Mm -hmm. to speak to weird conferences on migration. Yep.
1: That brings us to the end of the show. Uh, Nick and I are going to scull Bavaria and steal some Mayboima.
0: Yeah, damn right, we're gonna steal all them Mayboima. That's uh, that's gonna be me filling up the back boot with lots of trees. If you enjoy the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also rate us on Spotify, so chuck some stars our way there as well. Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag DecadesFromHome or lowercase on Twitter or Instagram. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Dilly on at DillyAlgema, and you can tweet me at 40 German. You can also get us on DecadesFromHome at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%German.com. Weekly articles are up here every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss. Tschüss.